This week on The Reverse Stick, Jaspreet Sani joins us once again to talk India, the Asian Cup and downpours. There's plenty of other cup action and where's my stream? And welcome once again to The Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. My name is John Lee. And my co-host is Matt Allen. Good to see you again, Matt. Lovely to see you once again, John. Another big week of hockey behind us. Uh, didn't know where to look at some points over the weekend. And, uh, yeah, ready and raring to go oh, for episode yeah. 20. And just before we get off, thank you for downloading this show and, and having a listen, guys. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, there was some very good hockey over the last few days, Matt. There was also a very frustrating time off the field. We'll get to that further on in the show so we'll do do our do our news and we'll give you the opinion a little bit later on news so yeah lots to get on through with this week we've had the uh, the asia cup we've got the ipacs we've got lots going on so john do you want to start oh, off with asia cup well we should because that would probably be the uh, big playing story the asia cup has been won and decided india are the asian champions so congratulations to the Indian team. They're the highest ranked team going into the tournament and uh, they'd certainly been talking it big before going in there but they they did what they had to do. Yeah, well, it's uh, a nice feather in the cap for new coach Seward Morena and, uh, you know, I think these answered a lot of the questions that were being set. It's a big tournament that the Indians really, really did want to win yeah. and uh, there's a couple of little sticky moments in there for them and, and some, some tough games but ultimately... They were clinical in front of goal and they did the business. Tell you what, they've got a very good young goalkeeper too in that Indian team. They've got some players for the future, which I think they were they were looking at trying to bring on during this tournament as well. Uh, just going through the results here, India defeated Malaysia 2-1 in the final of the Asia Cup. Um, perhaps a little bit closer scoreline than you might have thought. The Malaysians did very well to hold India to just two goals. They'd been on fire in previous games. And they'd be really stoked to have got to a final of the Asia Cup. Yeah, they're pleased to get to the final. And I think probably pleased with that result, considering they went down 4-1 in the, the, yeah. the pool game to India. And obviously some other ex- uh, <laughs> circumstances around the game, but we'll get to that. With our guest, Jaspreet Sani, a little bit later. In the other results, uh, the third versus fourth place playoff, Pakistan defeated Korea 6-3. So the Pakistanis finished third and the Koreans fourth. Fifth and sixth place was between Japan and Bangladesh. And Japan won that game 4-0 so they finished 5 Bangladesh 6 and uh, in the final game final classification game China and Oman that game went to China 3-2 what that does mean though as far as World Cup qualifications go India of course having already qualified that meant that place was then at the discretion of the FIH through their uh, discretionary powers and that place went to China so congratulations to China. They'll be off to the World Cup, which leaves on the men's side of the draw, that is, one more place left for the World Cup, which will be decided at the upcoming Africa Cup of Nations. Well, upcoming. It's currently started. We're a couple of days into the tournament as we speak. So, yeah, we're two days into the tournament there in Ismailia in Egypt. Uh, we've got the men's and the women's tournaments going on at the same time. So on the, the men's side of things, we've got Ghana, Kenya, Egypt, Nigeria and South Africa taking part, as we mentioned last week. 
Um, sadly, Zambia are not taking part in the men's side or in the women's side, and that's an issue that we'll also cover a little bit later on in the show. A um, couple of big wins for Egypt to get the tournament started off there, a 13-1 drubbing of Nigeria and a 4-1 win over Kenya. Um, South Africa also had a big win, 8-1 over Nigeria on the men's side of things. So South Africa and Egypt are you know, looking the two strong sides there to go through. Um, Nigerians don't look too bad, just they're a bit naive defensively, and that's, that's been borne out in the, uh, in the goals there. On the women's side of things, also a strong start for South Africa, two 5-0 wins over Kenya and Nigeria. Uh, Kenya also defeated uh, 2-1 by Ghana. And there was a 1-1 draw um, between Nigeria and Egypt. We would expect their South Africa to be the dominant team and, and Ghana to be the ones that are closest to them. You can get a lot of the streaming of the games available via the Egyptian network on sports. You'll find those uh, being broadcast on YouTube. We'll put those links out as and when we find them and, uh, and let you know when those games are going on. Like I said, once again, sad that the, the Zambian women aren't, aren't involved there. So it's a five-team tournament for both competitions. And that's uh, the final two places on the women's draw are uh, to be decided, one through the African Cup of Nations and uh-huh. the Women's Asia Cup, which gets underway on October 28th. So we'll talk about that a little bit more next week. Oh, there's so much going on. Uh, so one more place left for the men, which will be decided at the Africa Cup of Nations once again. Now, we've also got the Women's Asia Challenge going on, Matt. And trying to figure out what's going on is proving to be a challenge as well. It's the second tier of the Asian competition, countries that aren't quite in that top eight that won't be going to the Asian Cup. And now, initially, we uh, were under the impression this was a six-team competition. It was involving Hong Kong, China, Sri Lanka, Pakistan, Brunei, Myanmar and Uzbekistan. We have a match schedule that was approved by the FIH from on the 4th of September 2017. That tournament due to get off on the 22nd of October with a game between Hong Kong, China and Uzbekistan. We're trying to get an update on that because as far as we can tell, there's actually only three teams turned up to the tournament. That's right. Well, the tournament's underway in uh, Pakistan are there, Brunei are there and Hong Kong, China are there. And uh, that's it. So we're missing Sri Lanka, we're missing Uzbekistan, we're missing Myanmar. Um, we've also got a tournament coming up fairly soon in Myanmar as well, I think, for the men's uh, Asian challenge that's coming up there. Uh, this tournament's going on in Brunei, by the way, so it'd be a fabulous place to go and play hockey. Yes, so, but n- I have seen no announcement whatsoever about the three teams not participating, and that's pretty major when no. 50% of the, the teams competing in the tournament aren't playing. There's nothing on the Asia Hockey Federation website or at all. FIH. Or if I haven't seen any announcements. I mean, nothing on Twitter or Facebook as far as we can tell, but it, if it is there, please retweet it to us and let us pass it on. Yeah, it's, um, it's astounding, and yeah, we'll get to the Zambia situation again <laughs> a little bit later. Yeah, in the show. so we can't really bring you much news from that other than to say there's three teams uh, Hong Kong have managed to beat both Brunei and Pakistan uh, nine goals in two games so they're looking alright for the uh, title you'd think so <laughs> you'd think so um, and obviously that's, you'd think that that would then give them an opportunity to, to play up um, yeah you know if, if world rankings and everything else fit into play to play up in the full Asian Challenge next um, Asia Cup next time around so good luck to them good luck to them so what else is going on in the world we've Sultan had, of Johor yep, Sultan of Johor that's underway um, in Malaysia good work with the streaming links and to Ashley and the crew for getting that um, 
coverage on, up and running. Yeah, some good stuff from Mercian behind helping them out. Yeah, Mercian Hockey and uh, Curtin University in Malaysia and Chris Cirillo coaching classes and a couple of other sponsors that got on board there. You know, it's not always easy to put these things together and actually it's a really good one for getting people together and try and get the resources together to make it happen. And it's hockey doing it for itself. Yeah, it's, it's it's the hockey family, the hockey community getting get together to make it possible. So that's uh, an under twenty one tournament that's taking place there. Uh, we've got the uh, the it's uh, sorry an a, a, a under twenty one men's tournament. So we've got India, Japan, Australia, the USA, um, Malaysia, and GB all taking part. It's been a bit of a struggle for uh, the USA men's side, and you know it's a very very small pool of players that they're they're picking their sides from there. They lost 19-0 to Australia in the first game. Um, they were pretty much fresh off the plane. There wasn't been a much much opportunity for them to acclimatise or to get over the jet lag. So you can put that one down to maybe a bit of the travel, but then they also lost 11-0 to GB last night. So could be an improvement there for them. A uh, couple of quick things before we, uh, we move on out of the news. Uh, the Women's Asia Cup place in the World Cup potentially up for... Um, uh, grabs there. It gets underway in Kaka Mahara. I'll get this right. Kaka Migahara. That's how good my Japanese is. Uh, on the 28th of this month, November. Uh, eight teams playing there. China, Malaysia, India, Singapore, Korea, Thailand, Japan and, and Kazakhstan. Good to see the Kazakhs there. Uh, could be a really tight competition with some good hockey players as well. China, Korea, uh, eights and ninths ranked in the world. Then you've got the Indians at 12, Japan at 11. So there's four really closely ranked teams there. China, Korea and Japan have already qualified for the World Cup. They're already going. If India wants to go, they're going to have to win that tournament and the Indian women could be on their way to the World Cup. Uh, just offhand, I can't tell you who's in line to take that place if uh, one of those three teams wins, but we'll know next week. It could well be India. <laughs> it could we? I, th- I, think, I think it could well, be. Well, they are yeah, ranked yeah, yeah. 12th, so that puts them right in the firing line for it. If Japan have qualified and they're ranked 11, yeah, they'd, there's they'd, a good chance. Yeah, they've missed out on, on Hockey World League final. Yep, um, yep. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, and also the Pan Am Indoors. Yeah, the Indoor Pan Am Championships yep. have finished up at the weekend, so... Um, Argentina were in both finals, got a silver in both finals. Oh. So well done to the US, US uh, women, uh, USA women's team who had a, yeah. um, a 2-1 win in the final there. And our friends from Trinidad and Tobago, well done. Sensational 7-0 victory in the final over Argentina. They went through unbeaten in the tournament. Um, of note, they were I think 4-0 down against um, Canada in the in the penultimate game which they needed to win to, to go through to the final. They came back and won 7-5 in that game. Oh, great performance. And uh, that sews up the last spots for the Indoor World Cup, which is going on in Berlin uh, next year. Next year, yeah. Next so, year. yeah very well very well done yep. there. And as we've spoken before, when we, when we spoke to Ray earlier on um, yep. in the series, you know, they've got a pool of about 500 hockey players across the whole of Trinidad and Tobago. So to, to win that tournament against you know, a much bigger opposition, yeah. particularly Ar- Argentina... Um, and to find a place at the World Cup. They were last at the World Cup in 2007, I believe. Oh, well done. So those final placings for the uh, Indoor World Cup in Berlin will be Australia, Poland, Kazakhstan, uh, the Netherlands, Switzerland, Belgium, the US on the back of their Pan Am win, Germany and Russia on the men's side of things, Germany, Kazakhstan, the Czechs, Trinidad and Tobago, Russia, South Africa, Poland, Australia, Iran, Switzerland and the Austrians. So good luck to all. Oh, the Belgians... 
are also in for the men and for the women are the Czechs and the Namibians are there. Just a little note on the TNT as well. The uh, the coach of the TNT side, Raphael, unfortunately had to leave the tournament early. He lost his father, a, a, a local stalwart, stalwart of TNT hockey, Winston Gavir. Um So great sadness there, but... Uh, grandson of Winston, Jordan went on to um, play a great tournament and won the, the young player of the tournament. So, some joy and some sadness there. Yep. Um, I think that's about all the news we've got wound up. We, I think. Have we got one more? One late one. I missed it last oh. week. Very well done to yes. Danny Kerry, um, the GB women's coach who yep. received an MBE. Danny obviously um, became sick at the Hockey World League in, in Joburg on the road to recovery and fantastic to win an MBE. Yeah, congratulations. Now our feature interview with Jazpreet Sani will be coming up very shortly. We've got plenty to talk to uh, to Jazpreet about following the Asia Cup and comings and goings and toings and throwings that came out of the Asia Cup. Before we do, I tell you what, I'm feeling very frustrated, Matt. I'm feeling extremely frustrated. Now, John did mention earlier on, oh, this could be a rant week this week. I said, John, we <laughs> had one of those two weeks ago, didn't we? <laughs> we did. We did, but I might have a crack again. I've got a new sting to play, Matt. Yes, you're going to be hearing that sting whenever we talk about broadcasting deals. Uh, what, I, what's got your goat this week, John? The Asia Cup, particularly, uh, has got my goat. Because I tried to watch it this week, and uh, it was a very, very difficult thing to do. Uh, I, I even asked the FIH and Asian Hockey Federation how I could potentially watch the Asia Cup in my home country. No reply. Deathly silence. Which was really disappointing, because all sorts of other rubbish tweets and Facebook posts went out across the weekend, in the last week actually, but nothing about how I might be able to watch the Asia Cup. And as it turns out, I couldn't legally, which is really, really disappointing considering all the rubbish we get posted on our television screens about piracy and all the rest of it and how bad it is. Well, how bad is it when a television station buys the rights to a a contest and then doesn't show it, not only doesn't show it, but doesn't allow you to get it from other sources. So why are they buying it? Why why would you buy a product that you have no intention of, buy, of, of showing? So every time we talk broadcast deals, we're just going to play this. And that's the sound television executives make when they know they've got a meeting with the FIH coming up. Look, it, is, it is very disappointing. We're not alone here in, in Australia. We've talked before about Fox Sports and uh, choosing to show some things, choosing not to show other things, all quite openly saying, well, look, if we had more complaints come in, then we might actually show it. But it, it, surely it's about if you've got a product there, would you not play something which is live and has got interest for you know, a pretty large section of your audience? Or do you want to show a rerun of a, a game of footy or table tennis or badminton or something that happened two years ago? The worst thing is that the, the, what they did show was repeat content anyway. What they were showing in those time slots was stuff that they'd showed months ago. Yeah. 
It wasn't live sport. It was replays of boring minor round games between teams. Well, I know in, in Canada they had a similar thing with the indoors from Guyana. Um, they were only showing the games that Canada were actually playing in, and all they were showing them was the feed that you could get online through YouTube through from their Events Hub website. So it's very odd. Now, I did watch for quite a lot of the Asia Cup, but as you say, I had to watch it through... Uh, a dodgy stream. There was no VPNs used. It was it was up on a on no. a site um, out of Pakistan. And very thanks much, very much, Lee, to the the Pakistani Federation for making that stream available. I don't know if we're going to get you in trouble for saying that now. Yeah, very very much thanks. Thank you much, Lee. It was on Whatever our website. It, <laughs> it was it was there. We could access it. Um, uh, admittedly, with a lot of pop-up ads. That <laughs> but did you catch the one particular pop-up ad that caught my eye that I nearly clicked on because I wanted to see more of it was one from the Australian government. <laughs> that that was even better. I thought it was my flash player was not updated. Oh no! Oh, that, yeah, that. Yeah, no thanks. I've got enough Russian brides. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it, it's just staggering that we have to go to these lengths to, to watch the product. And it's not like we can't actually physically watch it. There's a broadcaster here that's bought the rights to it. And, look, and it's flicking a switch. That's all it is. It's a line in, it's a line out. And it's no different as to whether it's a live feed coming from one area or it's some recorded oh. content off a tape coming in from the other. But it, it begs the question, why? And I'll go back to a piece that I wrote very early on in the history of this podcast where I quote the Greg Evans contract and Greg Evans was an Australian television presenter that presented Perfect Match on television, hugely popular, he was one of the biggest stars in Australian television, Kerry Packer the man who was behind World Series Cricket owned a rival network Channel 9 and he made Greg an offer so big Greg couldn't refuse it so he signed with Channel 9 that was the last time we saw Greg Evans on television, <laughs> essentially. Now, he's been around again recently, but Kerry Packer basically didn't buy Greg Evans' contract because he wanted to make Greg Evans a star. He didn't want Greg Evans to be a star for anybody else. And I just can't help but feeling that contractual idea is what's going on here because this network, this pay TV network, is also a big player in both the NRL and the AFL in this country. Well, they, they own, you know, they've got part ownership in, of in teams. Broadcast yeah. right. And so I can't help but get the feeling that they're screwing us deliberately. They're deliberately not showing it. They're deliberately buying the rights to not show it. Whatever the situation is to how we've got here and this is you know tied up with broadcast deals that don't serve our game it's damaging to the game this talk of a hockey revolution this talk of hockey for all it just seems to be piecemeal it's i don't know who it's it's just maybe just to keep a few people happy and to you know tick a few boxes but the actuals that are happening what we see as hockey lovers and hockey fans and potential hockey fans well, it's just when it's not available, how are you supposed to grow any kind of market and how are you supposed to satisfy the, the, the market that's already there? It's, it's just really disappointing from our point of view. And admittedly, this is, this is a country we're in over, what, 25 million people? Now, the broadcaster, that particular broadcaster, has what sort of market share in this country? Very, 15%. 15, and, yeah. Maybe 20% market share. Now, that... That's a country of 25 million people with 20% market share, and those executives are telling the FIH, essentially, where to go. Not, not a country of 
250 million people with 20% market share or 500 million people with 10% market share or something. We're talking about such a small market share and such small power within that market. And these guys can just dictate terms? Well, it's, accessibility is everything with it. And so when we talked to Ijaz last week with regard to Pakistan, 200 million people there, but not a wealthy country. You know, they can't afford to buy sticks and they can't afford to get the shoes, despite the fact that the shoes and sticks are manufactured on the bloody doorstep there. But they they can't get access to the games. So, you know, it's it's being held by a, a broadcaster over there. But at least they're showing it. Maybe you can get 30 people around the screen to, to, to go and watch it. But it's... It's, it's not serving our game well and you cannot talk about the pro league and growth and excitement and blah 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 if you're restricting people around the world from being able to watch the games so just keep this sound in mind folks you are listening to the reverse stick the global hockey podcast it's time now for our feature interview, and joining us once again from India is Jaspreet Sani. Jaspreet, welcome. Hi, guys. How are you? Oh, fine here. How are you coping in the, after the last couple of days? Street parties and such? Uh, no, it's not cricket. It's just hockey, because <laughs> in India, you don't have street parties, even if you won a hockey World Cup. Uh, I hope it happens soon, but yeah, uh, good. Uh, but maybe a bigger party uh, on December 10th? Yeah, well, that's, that's the ultimate aim, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. because, because in Asia we are fine already. We, are, we have created a gap between the second place team and ourselves, uh, which is now surprisingly being fought between Pakistan and Malaysia. Uh, but yeah, in Asia we are fine, so uh, I hope it... Uh, transfers on to the Hockey World League finals in a month's time. So just in general, Jazz, what were your feelings about the tournament overall and sort of taking aside your your Indian allegiances for a moment? Yeah, um, as a neutral, if I see the tournament, I think uh, India did fine. And uh, barring uh, the penalty corner conversions, which I think still weren't uh, up to the mark and actually way off because... I think personally because it was because uh, Harman Preet uh, was feeling the pressure because he had two uh, fairly inexperienced drag flickers with him in Varun and Dipson. So he uh, took it upon himself and probably got pressurized uh, uh, in match situations. So he couldn't convert as much as he would have liked. Um, Although he finished as the joint top scorer, fair enough. But yeah, he missed quite a few penalty corners. Otherwise, India's finishing... Uh, I, I like the give-and-go hockey that uh, came back to uh, Indian camp. I think uh, Shirt Marenia should be given the credit for that. He, brought, he, he, wa- he wants the boys to release the ball as soon as possible, which wasn't happening until the Hockey World League semi-finals in London, uh, where they were carrying the ball... Um, maybe a couple of seconds too longer and it ruined the whole move. That was the welcome change that I witnessed here. The give-and-go hockey which India is famous for and uh, uh, not exactly the Spanish tiki-taka but yeah, give-and-go is fine for India as, as long as it works. And I would like to have a very special mention for the two goalkeepers, Akash Chikte and uh, Suraj Karkera. I think they stood up and they punched way above their weight and uh, played really well they were uh, for me they were the standout performers uh, for india 
and short marine um, i i want to give him the credit uh, to uh, to be very honest i didn't think that uh, uh, india will finish uh, the campaign unbeaten uh, but it's credit to his planning and the way the boys executed it uh, barring the penalty corners and uh, some of the finishing uh, up front by strikers i think uh, we did well so the report card for Sjord's, uh it's A plus so far? Uh, I would say A, not A plus. Looking at the other nations, Jazz, did anybody strike you as being, having really improved? Do you think that there's, there's more to come from some of those teams? Uh, I think Malaysia uh, have done really well and uh, to, be, to stake a claim for the number two side in uh, Asia... Uh, which Pakistan will strongly want to object. Uh, but considering the state that they are in right now, I think uh, Malaysia are strong number second. Korea, uh, I think they are focusing more on their defense than uh, uh, attacking because their strong point is counter-attacks, uh, fast legs they have, which I think they have forgotten for a while. Uh, they are not doing that. Uh, Pakistan, I think... Uh, Pakistan are too much focused on beating India. They are not focused on winning matches. They are focused on beating India. So that's where I think they are losing out. They have brought some experienced players back, but um, uh, all their focus, I think, in, during the tournament was beat India and uh, bring some cheer back home, which I, uh, I'm afraid is not going to happen and going to take their hockey uh, much backwards. So uh, on the improvement count, I think uh, Malaysia is one side that you can uh, look up to. And the Japanese guys, uh, they beat Australia in Ipoh. Uh, they beat, uh, they almost, they almost beat India in Ipoh as well, Sultan Aslan Shah Cup. So uh, they could be the team to watch out for uh, in Asia, not not at the world stage because that's a fair distance away from them. So yeah, Asia and Japan are the two most improved sides for me. I agree with you. With Korea, they they certainly. I thought they had one of the best defences in the tournament, but they just couldn't score any goals. Yeah, yeah. They, they are more focused on uh, defending than uh, moving ahead, turnovers, uh, counters. They are not focusing on that. And that is that has been uh, their strong point and what got them, <coughs> uh, I think, four Asia, Asia Cups, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I think they have forgotten that. So, so there needs to be some shake-up in the Korean camp um, just to remind them where they stood once, maybe five years back, and where they are now. Yeah, and I, I found it interesting as well. I think Malaysia could have done a bit more in the tournament if they, they'd have stuck a few more goals away because they created the opportunities. I found one of the, the, the ploys against India in the final is that they'd sort of take it up just past the 25, closer to the halfway line, and then look to throw that aerial every time and try and sort of get in behind and, and cause some trouble with those aerial balls. I think they were playing exactly the way uh, they beat India during uh, the Sultan Aslan Shah Cup where India needed to win by a two-goal margin to reach the final. I think they were using the same strategy but somehow India got one more goal than them and which proved enough in the end. Uh, but yeah, Malaysia uh, looked could have scored more goals. I think that's where their coach will be and their players will be disappointed that they couldn't score as many goals as uh, they could have, which could have made the difference in the end. So moving forward to Hockey World League finals coming up in December, can you see any major changes to the squad for India than the, than the one that we've just seen at Asia Cup? Uh, 
Yeah, there will be a few changes. I think uh, uh, P.R. Srijesh is not going to come back because that is clear. He will be available only uh, by the Commonwealth Games, which is still six months away. Uh, Rupinder Pal Singh is one person who India will definitely want to bring back considering uh, their penalty corner conversion hasn't been that great and they want somebody, at least two uh, on the field or on the bench who they can rely on because Gibson and uh, Rohidas or Gibson and Varun might be good but uh, they still are a fair bit away from the standards that uh, the draft flickers set for themselves and I would also like to point out that they are, I think there will be a bit of scrutiny of uh, Jugraj Singh's role because uh, he is the person who is taking care of the penalty corners and uh, if uh, this conversion rate doesn't go up, then his place might be in question also. The big question also is, well, Sadara, will he, will he uh, continue on? I think, uh, uh, contrary to some of, the fr- some of my friends who felt that he was okay, I think in deep defense as uh, the central midfielder, he was doing better than uh, the central the central defender he was doing better than the central midfielder that he has played over the last few years uh, during his um, most of his career so i f- i felt the 433 formation was working for india and uh, uh, short was very shrewd enough to when to start with sardar and when not to depending upon the opposition that he was playing so i think uh, short has fi- uh, has found a way to uh, how to use sardar sparingly and make him effective so I think he and Sunil will retain their place in the squad. Yeah, and I think that's understandable as a player that's sort of you know, coming to the twilight of their career. He's not an old man, but he's certainly one of the older ones in the group there. That you, If you can still utilise them and maybe play them in a slightly more defensive uh, position, then that's good for the yeah. team and good for the player. I, uh, yeah, and you need to have some of the, uh, I would call them stabilisers in the team, because uh, if you... If you, uh, if you uh, put all uh, youngsters in a team then I don't think that's going to work because they need somebody they could look up to or ask for uh, whatever um, crises they want to straighten in their place so I think uh, Sardar and Sunil have a role to play there and I would like also like to men- make a mention of another youngster who impressed uh, who just kept my mind uh, during the last question Gurjant um, uh, I think uh, I-, I would call him the poacher of the team because He's one player, if he's anywhere near the ball inside the striking circle, he will either have a shot at goal or he will create a penalty corner. So he's one person who you can rely on that something's going to happen if he has the ball with him inside the circle. So just on, on the, that balance you talked about there, we've just seen an announcement today here in Australia that uh, Matty Butterini and Kieran Govers have both been named in the development squad here. And we've certainly had a, a, a big crop of youngsters that have been blooded over the past couple of tournaments. And perhaps they, they're now looking and going, oh, maybe we need some older heads in there. And the likes of Butterini and Govers you know, could be the men right. to do it. So it's, you know, it's the same the world over, eh? Yeah, I think that I think you can't just ignore uh, seniors. Yeah, you can certainly remind them every now and then by dropping them. But uh, I think I'm sure Hockey India also have had a word with uh, Sardar and Sunil that uh, uh, you can't play on reputation. Yeah, you I uh, we understand that you have older legs, you are slowing down, but uh, still uh, the team has to win and uh, you have to play a part in it. So I think 
they have been issued instructions and they are uh, pulling their socks up. James, just going back to the Asia Cup in Dakar, what, uh, there were other issues going on apart from the hockey. Uh, to separate the hockey players and the hockey coaches, but the, the way the tournament was run, the format of the tournament, what did you make of it? And also, what did you make of the scenes on the, the penultimate day when the rainstorm hit and the fixturing was just thrown up in the air? I think, uh, first of all, uh, the format of the tournament, that is uh, two pool stages uh, or a pool stage and then a super force, I think it was designed uh, in a way that the tournament can have as many India-Pakistan matches as possible. Because from India's pool, uh, it was almost certain that India and Pakistan uh, will go through, which happened. And if that happened, then the tournament then the organizers knew that in Super 4 stage where each team has to play each other uh, Pakistan and India will meet again so two matches were sorted and if Pakistan would have played the Pakistan we know then it might have been India-Pakistan final as well but that didn't happen but still the tournament got two India-Pakistan games and I think the Super 4s was designed only to meet this uh, requirement and uh, the scheduling of the uh, matches during the penultimate day when uh, there was a rain thunderstorm and rain and all that water logging uh, I, I, I don't see any problem with it as long as uh, the teams and their managers are uh, don't have a problem because uh, this is a rigorous sport and uh, players are fit enough to play two matches say in a, in a gap of say uh, or within 24 hours so uh, I don't, and and that's something that's also not in control of the organizers because uh, this this rain and thunderstorm you can't fight that. That's that's weather and that happens from upstairs. Um, but <laughs> yeah. Um, what you mean the F I H are controlling the weather now? <laughs> no, upstairs <laughs> means upstairs. <laughs> so uh, so I think it's it all boils down to uh, whether the the two teams involved and their management agrees to whatever has been decided because nothing can be done without that. And then there is uh, the broadcasters uh, who are almost ruling the roost these days. They are uh, ruling sport all around. Where, wherever the schedules or the fixtures need to be changed, it has to. It it, it is uh, 50% of the times it is changed due to broadcasters' needs because they want prime time for prime teams and all that stuff. So I, that's the situation uh, across sports. So I think it's a mixture of that, and uh, I don't think any team will have a problem. I, d- I did feel a little bit sorry for the Koreans and the Malaysians that were sort of standing pitch side looking on, and I thought, geez, they've been standing around a while, and now they don't get yeah. the ne- they don't get the next game. They've got to wait for the the India uh, game to be played first. Uh, we we saw Usain Bolt complaining that he was made to wait uh, wait in the waiting area a bit too longer than. Uh, uh, it is uh, during his last race when he cramped again. So I think it's across the sport. Yeah, I mean, he's that bloke who used to be quite fast at running, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he used to wait till he had that cramp. Oh, look, Jazz, I, I had a problem with swapping the matches. I don't think that no one can predict weather, even when it is in a mm. monsoonal country like Bangladesh. But mm. Um, mm. the idea of swapping the two games, I thought that 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 goes to the heart of the integrity of the competition. I mean, those Korean and Malaysian players were there warming up for a game at 3 o'clock, and because mm. a television station decides that it doesn't suit their ratings, they make them wait. They didn't get on the pitch until 9.30 that night. 
I agree. I totally agree, and I feel for them because um, you can't expect your team to perform uh, as they would because uh, they have been waiting in the wings for six hours. So that's unfair. I totally agree. Uh, but hockey, as you know, it needs money. It needs broadcasters. It needs eyeballs. It needs everything. And I think FIH. uh will go any distance or do anything uh, to make sure that the game is sufficiently funded and the game is uh, watched by as many fans as possible on the ground and on tv and to do that i think uh, anything can be done uh, and this uh, rescheduling or swapping of matches was part of it yeah i, I have a <laughs> see i i tried to watch the asia cup Jazz and I can't because the broadcaster won't allow me to watch. They've, they've paid the FIH money to not let me watch sport. It's a crazy situation, <laughs> you know. I, I don't understand it. It's just doing my head in. But anyway, we should move on. Uh, the Women's Asia Cup is getting underway next week. India's going to be there. How do you how do you see their chances? See, uh, it's Harender's first uh, assignment as a women's coach and. Uh, India should sneak through into the World Cup, uh, depending on what happens in the um, uh, Africa Cup. Uh, I think India will get a backdoor entry, so uh, they may not need to win the Asia Cup. They might still get go through to the World Cup, but that apart, I think the team needs to perform uh, a lot better than what it has in the past. Uh, Shwet Marinia did what he could. Uh, he also swapped six, seven players uh, on the Europe Tour, where. Uh, Uh, they played the belgian club and uh, another team i can't recall that so uh, he did his bit um, but when he seemed settled he was asked to switch uh, to just uh, switch to other the other camp that is the men's team so uh, that was the hockey india decision so we can't fight that but yeah harinder is really positive and looking forward to this opportunity because he has come back at the national level after guiding juniors to the world i think his ultimate aim would be to uh, get a medal position maybe in the commonwealth games in asia in asia cup uh, getting past the chinese and uh, will be a tough ask because uh, they they are one of the top ranked sides in the world so uh, I think uh, his realistic aim here will be to finish uh, maybe in top five, uh, which should be his aim as uh, the first tournament as coach of the Indian women's team. And if they finish in top five, I think the uh, the Indian girls will feel much more confident about uh, the coming tournaments, that is uh, the Commonwealth Games especially. It's a tough ask there, China, Japan, Korea. Um, you know, three very, very good teams there, and it's, um, it's it, like you say, it would be a tough one to break into that top four there. Top five will be a big, will be an achievement. I will consider it as an achievement. Well, hopefully that we get some coverage of the uh, the women's tournament there. Is it is it slated? Oh, to, is, I don't know. Is it available? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Uh, available I, on the hot I don't star? Think so. Uh, no, I don't think so. But I have to check. Might be, but I'm not sure yet. Certainly, I haven't seen any sort of pre-promotion that it's going to be viewed, um, which is a shame. Yeah. It's, um, hmm. the, why, why would it have any less significant than the men's tournament? But there you go. That that's been the scene in India. Being hockey is synonymous with the men's team. Uh, unless the women's team wins something, there won't be any shouts. 
Yeah, but it's not just in India, is it? I guess it would be the same, you know, Korea and Japan, where you'd say that the yeah, ho yeah. hockey, um, the women's side, is, is much more prevalent in those countries than, you know, potentially the men's side. Yeah, exactly. Jazz, what does Indian hockey do waiting for the uh, the World League? Are they in lockdown, are they, these fellas, or in camps, or they just go home and hang around until a week beforehand? I think um, not. Um, um, I had a word with a couple of players when they returned. They are back home as of now, having a little break. But I think they will uh, reassemble very soon in Bangalore for a camp before the Hockey World League finals. Right now, they are all at home. Would, would they be recognised in the street, these players, or would they just be going about their everyday life? Uh, so you might consider Sadara old, but he's still the poster boy of Indian Indian hockey team. How old is he exactly, Jazz? He says 30. <laughs> 30 years old, but 20 years at the top. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he says. So, Jazz, hopefully we'll be able to catch up uh, when, once the, uh, World, um, the Hockey World League's finals are underway there in Bhubaneswar. Yeah, yeah, sure, and I will catch you from Bhubaneswar as well. I'm going there for the tournament. Oh, that'd be excellent. We'll, we'll definitely try and catch up with you while you're there, Jazz. Yeah, yeah, sure, anytime. Well, fantastic. Thanks so much for joining us today. Jazz Preet Sani, direct from Delhi. Um, and, uh, yeah, fingers crossed for the girls in the Asian, Asian Cup. Yeah, thank you so much. I hope the girls do well and then uh, we do well at the world stage as well where we're fighting the heavyweights Australia, Netherlands, <laughs> Germany and all that. We look forward to it, Jazz. Just one thing before we let you go. Are you having renovations done at home, are you, Jazz? <laughs> Actually, I'm at work right now and uh -huh. uh, the adjoining, build, adjoining building, uh, they are doing some renovation work. There. That's why you hear that hammer. Yeah, no, we, we noticed it. <laughs> well, just congratulate them. They've yeah. got a lovely rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> there you go again. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Jazz. We'll speak soon. Cheers, Jazz. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. And that was Jazz Preet Sani, the Indian sports journalist. Uh, always good to chat to Jazz Preet. Good to have Jazz on back again. He's a man in Delhi and the voice from India. So, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on again, Jazz. And we look forward to hearing more from Jazz in the future and development of Indian hockey. And I'm sure he's a very excited man on Sunday evening. Yeah. Well, he His beloved India got up. He would have been stoked. Well, you might recall back there, once upon a time, he did mention that his favourite side was the Dutch side. He did. But we'll just keep that between ourselves. That's probably more about hockey style, because you mentioned last week that Pakistan's your favourite team. Oh, I did. I did. Now, um, moving on, we've got a few other issues that have been going on around the world of hockey. Zambia, you mentioned. Yeah, so... Uh, I think we might have been one of the first to get the news out there that Zambia weren't taking part in the... Uh might have been. I I'm going to push your barrow. You were on the ball. You beat all the media to it. Yeah, we beat. The we did beat a few people to it, and I think we might have caused a bit of a stir in, uh, in Egypt as well. I think some of the teams that were competing probably found out from our Twitter feed before they found out from uh, the confederations there, which is a little bit surprising. Now... Yes, Zambia haven't haven't made it along, so I'll just give you a couple of bits of background that I'd spotted. So about four days out from the tournament, there was a, an article in the Daily Mail in Zambia which said that the Zambian Hockey Association risked being fined 2,000 euros, about 20,000 kwacha, 
uh, by the AFH as, uh, as a penalty if they fail to send their teams to Ismailia. And the vice president of the ZHA, Thomas Mumber, had said that the organisation needed around 300,000 quatcha to make it along. If we do not take part in this tournament, we will be fined 2,000 euros and later banned. In 2015, uh, we failed to travel to South Africa for the same competition and we paid 2,000 euros as a penalty, but we were not banned because ZHA pleaded with the Federation for leniency. Uh, and that's, that's coming from uh, Thomas Mumba from the Zambian Hockey Association. Now, 300,000 quatcha, that equates to around 26,000 euros, 39,000 Aussie dollars, 30,000 US dollars. I did spot that they had a crowdfunding um, uh, request that had gone out a couple of months ago, and in that two months they managed to raise 120 euros. Now that's obviously nowhere near. It's nowhere near the 2,000 euro fine, let alone the money that they needed to get to the tournament. And I think it's really, really sad that somewhere like Zambia, that's um, you know, the boys did really well in Nanjing at the the Youth Olympics in the fives there. There's lots of work going on there at the moment. I'll, I'll mention Hockey Dreams Foundation for one, and we'll, we'll, have, uh, we'll have them on the show in the coming weeks. They're putting a lot of work into Zambian hockey, and there's just going to be great disappointment for the boys and girls there that were, were due to go along and play and, and strut their stuff with the best of Africa. Now, the big question is, um, if, if we'd have had a little bit more notice and known a bit more about the crowdfunding campaign, could we have done more with that as a, as a hockey world and as a hockey family? It doesn't, you know, to me, 39,000 Aussie dollars, that's enough, you know, it's not coming out of my pocket, but it's got to be a doable, a doable amount of money for the, the, the hockey family around the world. Um, and if it isn't, should the FIH be looking to try and support some of these smaller countries to get to the big competitions? Well, they could very easily do what you think. I don't mean to sound like I'm pushing some sort of, or flogging a dead horse here, but, you know, they, they pocketed a big cheque from a broadcaster in this country to not show any hockey. Surely they could have used some of that money. Yeah, it, it doesn't seem a lot. And so if you had Zambia along to Uzbekistan and Myanmar and the other country <laughs> whose name fails to come to my mind at the moment, they're missing out from the Asia Challenge. Um, that's four countries that want to compete at their highest possible level and they can't do it because of the financials. Uh, you know, it's hard for everybody and we're all struggling with it, but surely we've got to be able to do something better. Uh, yeah, it's gonna, it's a, it's a hard one. Well, I don't think there is a, a, an answer. Well, as was mentioned to me by, um, one of our, uh, Twitter followers, if we can do it for Vanuatu and, and there was support, can, you know, help them out to get to the Hockey Fives, uh, last week in Sydney. Why can we not do it for Zambia? Yeah, there seems to be a disconnect. When teams are warming up for a game against an opponent that hasn't even turned up in the city to compete in the tournament, um, there's been a breakdown in communication somewhere. Yeah, well, and that's that's probably the wor- most worrying part. And, and, and you know, and I don't think it's necessarily a problem for the Af- African Hockey Federation. I'm sure they've been working their absolute socks off to try and make it happen, and then. More disappointingly, to then have to reschedule everything, you can have too many umpires there. There's, there's so much, you know, all the provisions in place, ready to go for the tournament, and it's not until the day of the tournament that we find out that those teams aren't going to be competing. Well, I just don't think it's good enough. 
No, and we might hear some more about that as the African Cup of Nations rolls along this week. Um, so talking about not being good enough, I know that um, oh. you know you've, you've got some issues around fixturing that you mentioned last yeah. week. Yeah, look, we we mentioned it partly goes back to what we're talking about with Jazz Freak and what happened in uh, the Asia Cup in Dakar. We can go back to the Asia Cup where we saw Australia and New Zealand and the women's side of things playing each other late in the afternoon one day and then... Only Oceania Cup. Oceania Cup. And then fronting up against each other with less than 24 hours. And I wrote that piece about fatigue and how maybe fatigue is a good thing to bring back in our sport and all that sort of thing. Yeah, it is when fatigue comes around naturally. But what what we're seeing with fixturing now is fixturing's being done to suit and satisfy very often television stations certainly at the Asia Cup it was and you know we we look for those big name games because we, we've got this idea that that's going to bring people to watch the game and and they they're the big killer ones for the television station so we've got to fixture them in a certain way we're going to try and squeeze as many into them as we can but very often these fixtures are actually to the detriment of the integrity of the competition and that was certainly the case at the Asia Cup. To have, to have had those teams that were playing in the finals play the day before was just wrong. They should have had a rest day because as consumers, we also want to see the best of our athletes out there on the field competing. But we also want to see them getting fatigued so that we get that extra element in there. Yeah, but you, you want the fatigue towards the it's end of the game. You <laughs> want the t- fatigue to be coming from the game, not from a lack of rest or from a dodgy fixturing. Yeah, so we, what we saw there in the Asia Cup, and as, as we've mentioned with Jazz there, the Super 4s were not, um, fixtures were not drawn um, until after the pool game's been played, so nobody knew who was playing where, but it, it all rested upon the, the TV deals. Now, that's okay to do that if you've got some kind of wriggle room there seems to be no contingency. That tournament's being held in a monsoonal country where you've got the final Super 4s games happening the night before the, the, the finals day. What happens if it rains? As it did. Do we play two games the next day? Do, do you keep playing until 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning until the games are played? Or, um, because it doesn't do your TV deal any good if your final's suddenly got to be changed to a Monday afternoon from prime time on a Sunday evening. Well, I'm sure that was exactly the reasoning behind what happened. Yeah. Yeah, but but, but, but there's, there's where is the contingency in place? It just seems so short-sighted. And I'd like to see fixtures that actually people can understand, uh, in the sense that you know tournaments used to have the round robin, then you go into the knockout phase, and then you end up at a final through a knockout phase, and that's really easy to understand. People love that stuff they, well, because they can understand it from the very start. You know where everything lies from the very start of the tournament. Well, I've got this thing called a calendar, and. When things are announced or somebody books an appointment with me or I've got an appointment oh, yeah. with somebody else, what I do is I write down the time and the day of that appointment. I know it's, you know, it's pretty revolutionary stuff. So it's really nice if I can see some fixtures coming up in a week ahead, two weeks, a month ahead. I can put those into my calendar and get a nice little reminder before the game starts. That way I don't miss any hockey. And you know what, if you want to jazz it up with extra games in between because you, you want to boost your broadcast rights, start adding things like preliminary finals. Start having one team qualifies straight through to the final and then the second and third place, they have to play off for the right to meet that top team. Go through your semi-finals, have a preliminary final. That is exciting. Yeah, you know, I, I don't necessarily have a problem with the FIH saying to the, the different confederations, you run it your way because every situation is different and you go from a three-team tournament like you had yeah. the Oceania Cup uh, to much bigger tournaments elsewhere, you know, eight teams in, in, in Asia. But, but 
there's got to be some kind of consistency with how the the tournament plays out and you know what you know what's the pinnacle of the tournament yeah i mean round robin after round robin gets boring quite frankly that's the beauty of of knockout games it is there's something there and it's a one off and you know, we we should have more of them, not less. Yeah, and you get to the situation where you can have the two team two teams playing each other three times or even four times well, in a tournament. The, look at the Euro Club Championship. Essentially, that boils down to a knockout competition. Like six, the final sixteen is a knockout competition. Yeah, so, it's all on the line, and it's what you bring on your day. And absolutely. The, we talked earlier on uh, in the series with regard to us playing in grand finals and everything else. Yeah. That grand finals the, is the is the pinnacle, and that's where it's all at. But uh, we've got to move on. I'm trying desperately not to be as long as last week. I promise it won't be an hour and ten minutes. Oh, what's happening on the socials? Plenty. Oh, yeah, lots and lots going on this week. Oh, just before we crack into feedback, uh, congratulations to Jamie Moulders, who's just uh, finished up with his job with German hockey oh, after yeah. 26 years to go and take on the head role with the uh, China women's team. Um, so, you know, that's a five-year deal that he signed there. And uh, he did make comment that it was a deal that was too good to uh, to miss out on from not just uh, it being lucrative in nature, but also sustainable uh, for him and his family. So it's a five-year deal. Yep. And, you know, you really can't blame him, can you? No, and I'm sure it'll do his coaching the world a good in uh, ways that are outside of just hockey, directly hockey-related things. So it, it'll take him out of the orthodoxy he's been in for that 26 years with German hockey. New pastures, he'll have to learn new skills. It'll be a great experience for him and his family. And it certainly will bring a lot to China hockey as I well. Think and, so. and, you know, I would be expecting a marked improvement in their world ranking oh, place over the next few years. And We've talked about them as a rising potential power in world hockey, and they're coming. That's right. Tokyo 2020, only a 1,000 days away from today, John. Uh, we got another one of those silly countdown <laughs> clocks, haven't we? So taking on the uh, the head coach there for the German women, uh, was the the current assistant coach, Xavier Reckinger from, uh, uh, from Belgium, uh, 33-year-old, well-decorated former Belgian international, coached all over the world, and... Uh, He's currently the head coach of racing in Brussels there uh, for both the men and the women, so he'll continue to do that role and take on the, the German women's role. So hey, just before you get into your um, your social stuff that you've gathered over the last few days, um, one's just come up on the uh, Facebook page of the Field Hockey Forum, uh, an exclusive they're calling it. England's hockey's leading clubs will hold private talks in London next week to propose a new men's Premier League. So uh, we'll have to. That's just popped up on my Facebook feed. So um, we'll certainly be looking into that in the week ahead. But some, some moves going on there in English hockey. Interesting stuff. And like we've talked before, is pro league and national teams the way forward, or, or is it with with club hockey the way forward? Well, just looking quickly at that. that well, that goes suggest- back to our fixturing. If they fixtured international hockey properly with a separate World Cup qualifier from the uh, the World League or the Hockey Pro League or whatever they're going to call it in the future, then um, we could have a very strong and vibrant co- club competition. Yeah, well, that's my opinion. The manifesto will be making its way out soon, ladies it, it and gentlemen. Will be. Uh, so yeah, anything more? Yeah, look, there's a few bits. Nothing of any great, great note on. Uh, oh, our on, Twitterers on, will be pleased on, to know that. Twitter. Nothing of great note. <laughs> oh, no, 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 <laughs> nothing necessarily directed straight at us. But I will thank guys like um, i360 Sports and 
Pakistan and when, when things are getting sent out and communicated to the hockey world, we're getting tagged in on those things and being able to, to share those with, with you. So don't forget you can get onto social media to Twitter forward slash the reverse stick and on Facebook forward slash the reverse stick. Like and follow and please get behind us and share it with your friends and the more the merrier. And bring back the bully. And bring back the bully. There's a few comments about uh, bringing back the bully. And, oh, do, do you want me to share that that, what's, uh, that came through from FH Empires? Oh, now, yeah. FH Empires are very uh, keen on the centre pass um, and uh, don't seem to be... Sorry, Keeley there doesn't seem to be um, overly behind bringing back the bully. What was the comments that were made? I'm just trying to find, find them here. Um, Oh, for those of you that do follow us on Twitter, I really did burn those socks. Um, we had uh, I had 17 years of good service um, out of a pair of uh, white hockey socks, but unfortunately the holes just became too big, and they were they were pretty stiff. Um, but you'd expect that after 17 years. And there, there's one for you. So if you do want to get in touch, I'm really interested to find out your oldest piece of hockey equipment, equipment that you're still using today. I do have uh, a club mate who's, who's using a, a pair of shin pads that's 21 years old that his, uh, his mum bought him. Um, but if you've got anything older that you're still using today, flick us a tweet or, or send us a message on Facebook and, and uh, let us know. And Maybe we can send us a photo. We can put a little uh, gallery of um, old gear. The gallery of old gear. <laughs> that's not bad. The gallery of old gear. The GOG. Oh, Mark's a bit to that. Um, well, I think that's just about it for this week. You got much more? No, I think that's it. We've got plenty coming up next week. We'll we'll bring you more news from the Africa Cup of Nations. Yeah, and the Women's Asia Cup. Women's Asia Cup coming up, the Asian um, Challenge. Uh, we've got a packed calendar of hockey just running right the way through. plenty the on the internet to catch a hold of as well. We'll see you next week. Catch ya. <laughs>